following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. NFL Week 4 edition with the Wise Guy Roundtable. The better, Steve Fezzik. To my right, the bookmaker, Maddie Holt. To my left, I'm R.J. Bell. Guys, what feedback last week. I thought it was our best show, and you guys agreed. We so appreciate that feedback. It not only is spiritually good for us, but it lets us put more time, money, energy into the dream previews. So thank you, and keep sharing them. A lot of people sharing them, turning on to their friends. We really appreciate it. And what a show for week four. We've got some... Big macro issues. How is President Trump and politics affecting the NFL? Maybe the best weekend for bookmakers last weekend in the history of football. That sounds extreme, but it could be. Some people are reporting it. We'll see if that means anything for this week. Then we've got Fezzik versus the world. That's versus me. That's versus Matt Holt on a game and versus Colin Cowherd on a game we got the public pounder we got the big storyline games both involve quarterbacks we've got a crossfire between the better and the bookmaker we got sharp money we have a double like game where both the boys like it and three best bets wow let's get straight to it all right maddie holt you know we don't like bookmakers we like you the best though amongst (laughs) the bookmakers a lot of people reporting best Weekend ever for the bookmakers, which means worst weekend ever for the batters. How did you guys do CG technology? The biggest bookmaker in Nevada. It was the best weekend for us ever in terms of hold percentage, both Saturday and Sunday combined, because we had a huge seven figure win Saturday, followed up by a monstrous seven figure win on Sunday. So if it's the historic hold percentage, but it's not the record for winning the most, it means your handle wasn't where it's been other other uh, big weeks. Yeah, we used to have some, I mean, we have some big recreational players now. We used to have even more big recreational players. And there's weekends where we've seen some of those big celebrity recreational players blow uh, massive amounts of money. But if you took those two or three top recreational players out and said, hey, excluding those few guys, it was certainly our biggest weekend. ever. Wow. Okay, so here's the question, Fez. That's fun. You know, ESPN, that's what they'll make a big story about. Oh, best weekend ever or worst. I always like to look at it from the better's perspective. That's interesting. I care about how to make money moving forward. I'm not a bookmaker. Never been, never will be. Is there anything about last weekend, which obviously the underdogs did exceptionally well. The favorites did exceptionally poorly. Anything to make us want to bet more underdogs than usual moving forward? We probably want to bet less underdogs, RJ, because there's less square money in the marketplace. Everyone, the recreational bettors with lots of money, got annihilated Sunday to the point of they literally might say, you know what, I'm not going to play anymore. I went 2-9, and nine. just like you look at a Mayweather-McGregor fight. When McGregor wins, there's a lot of loose action out there 
Um, you would, I would much prefer. I'm sorry. A Mayweather-McGregor fight when McGregor wins. I don't, when is that, what universe is that? Sorry, when Mayweather wins, that's bad for me going forward because all of the squares lost and they don't have money to bet football okay. going forward. So it seems, this is a, a great point that we got to, is, <laughs> you know, Steve Cofield says I'm the Fezzik interpreter. Again, when you're working at that Rain Man level, right, it's just part of the expense of doing business with Fez, but... It is Rain Man level stuff. Here is, I, I think there's two factors, and maybe, Maddie, you can speak to this. One is those who are betting still, because I don't think most people are going broke this early. They might bet a little less, right? The $500 better, maybe he's betting 300 You add that all up, and the handle from the percentage of the overall handle of the squares goes down. Do you agree with that? I think it's certainly possible. but But not clearly the case. Correct. Okay. And number two would be, you would think, just like burning your hand on the stove, some of the squares are going to say, oh, I, I laid that four in the road. I, I'm not going to do it again. And maybe they're a little less square this week. And, and I think what was interesting about last weekend is everyone saw it coming from behind the counter. We knew that you were either going to win or lose a million bucks when you have that many three-point road favorites. Because three points on the road with the better team to the public is like an eight-year-old in a candy store. He can't not touch it. RJ, you've often mentioned this, and it's a great point. You get that road favorite minus three. All they got to do is win. People, The public would never lay the nine to nearly that extent if they were home. And I talk about that all the time. Here is a great exercise. If you're going to play a road favorite, Flip it six points. That's an estimate. Some teams, some matchups going to be different, but it's going to be close. So three-point road favorite becomes nine at home. Are you going to fire it? I actually said the exact same exercise to Colin Cowherd on our podcast for Saturday last week. And that in and uh, he said, you know, I hear you, right? So I think that's a great – now, doesn't mean you won't sometimes be willing to lay the nine and go ahead and fire on the road favorite, but I think that takes away at least half of road favorites – from the typical batter. And that got you and me, and you got almost every game right last week. But the Denver game, it was so easy for us to say, you know what? We like Denver. We're only laying three. Let me go ahead. I'll make that the one exception. I'll go, I'll go ahead and go with the public, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, are you talking about me? Both of us. Yeah, well, but that's the thing. I'm not afraid to play road favorite because I, I know what I'm doing, right? No, I don't mean that I know what I'm doing as an NFL handicapper, which to some degree I do, but I mean... I know what a road favorite represents, and that six-point flip is a good example. Though we will be talking about those bills here. We got a disagreement on Looking that Looking forward to that. So here's the actionable takeaway is there's nothing structural, institutional in the league that's making more underdogs cover right now. And because of that, you either play as many dogs as you typically would, but not more or you might even play a little less if you agree with Fez because of the factor is that recreational money won't be placing the, the same premiums on the favorites this week. We can debate that or not, but we know it's that direction. It's not play a bunch of dogs. Now, now here's the thing. Dogs are better in general. So most listeners out there should probably be playing more dogs. We always ask this question, but it's an important one, Fez. NFL season, every side that you bet, the side, how many are favorites? How many are dogs? About 75% to 90% underdogs, depending on the season. Okay. So if you, if, you, if you have more than one out of four favorites, you probably are batting too many favorites. Okay. Number two, 
we're not getting political. This is about betting, winning money. Green, what party am I? I'm not, not the green party with the environment necessarily, but the dollar bill party. I was on Fox Sports or on our pregame show on Fox Sports Radio National Friday night, Saturday night, 11 p.m. Pacific to midnight on Friday. We preview the colleges. Need an extra hour on Saturday, 10 Pacific to midnight. 330 stations nationwide. Series 83 also. And I was talking about the Trump factor. Is I thought the distraction would affect the less disciplined teams. Now, for me, the teams I suspected. Now, we can look back and say, well, the team I didn't think was the Patriots, and they didn't cover, you know, because I thought that the discipline level wouldn't affect the Pats. Listen, half the teams are going to not cover in a given week, right? The question is, did the team look different than we expected? I thought Pittsburgh looked distracted, and I thought Seattle looked distracted. Maddie, starting with you, it's a week Another seven days after that Sunday for the next batch of games. Are you going to consider at all the political distraction factor? We're going to have to a little bit. And the two teams you just mentioned both popped into our mind as well for different reasons than just how they looked on the field. But they also have political issues. Michael Bennett has some serious issues already with the Seattle Seahawks. So you tend to have a more fractured locker room. And Pittsburgh obviously had a fractured locker room. They had one guy come out of the tunnel for the national anthem, who the players got all over that guy for doing it. And he came out and apologized after and big Ben came out and said, he wishes he would have, and that he should have. So obviously some fracturing in the locker room there. It's okay to take a stand one way or another, lean, kneel, stand, not come out, stay in. But if you don't do it all jointly as a team, I think that's where the distraction comes into play. And if you do it jointly as a team and the public objects adamantly, that's also a distraction, right? So there's so many possible. And I think, again, you know, when Big Ben says, I didn't sleep Sunday night, okay? Maybe that's a, you know, he's exaggerating, but let's say he slept four hours instead of eight. How does that affect him, right? Now you're doing, pre- you've got a left tackle doing press conferences. His jersey sales, now he's got to figure out he's going to donate them to charity. The, you know, I heard, and, and I didn't hear this directly, I've heard this secondhand, Seattle had a four-hour meeting about this. You're on the road, and you're doing a four-hour meeting. And again, people might say, hey, RJ, is the politics are more important than the game? Okay. I mean, that's everyone's decision. Our job is to predict winners, and if someone does think politics and the issues are more important than the game, I want to know about it, all right? And, and by the way, this reminds me of one of the great stories, and this is old school. Mirage 1999. There was a, the poker room, right? Pre-Bellagio. There was a guy named Chico Baker. I don't know if he's still around. If he is, he probably will hear about this. I haven't seen Chico in 15 years. But he kind of took me under his wing, you know, mid-20s. I just moved to Vegas, and he was the ultimate grinder, but not necessarily in the best way. I mean, he'd be trying to look at cards. He was always... He had a move with his chips. We would cross the line and but keep his chips in, but not put them on the table. And if the person starts calling, he'd pull them back. I mean, all every trick in the book. You know, he was this is pre no limit, so he was playing, um, you know, twenty forty limit though. So he was playing a fairly high level, but he'd go down to six twelve no problem if he saw a fish. He was just trying to make his rent. And one time he goes, all right, let me. He goes, let me show you how you can look at whole cards. I go. 
you know, I'm not in this, the, you know, look at whole cards. He goes, just watch. He goes, every time I can see the one on my left, I'm going to hit my left bill. Every time I can see the person on my right, I'm going to hit my right bill. So he's sitting there and I'm watching him. He's hitting his left bill. He's hitting his right bill, hitting his left bill. Finally, he walks up after and he says, what do you think? I go, you know, impressive. I go, I'm going to make sure I have my cards more protected in general, but, you know, I'm not interested. He goes, here's the thing. Some people might have an ethical problem with this, is what he said. He goes, you can always give the money back after. <laughs> Which is interesting. <laughs> I, I guess if you're going to do it, you're not going to give the money back. My point is, I'd rather win the money. I'd rather not get political with the games, win some money, and donate to your political beliefs, right? That'd be an interesting, I, I'd much rather, than us wringing our hands here saying, oh, we shouldn't lament the fact Seattle is spending a bunch of time. No, let's figure out what Seattle is going to do on the field, win some money, and then we can all donate to the political organizations of our choice. And the key here is that the political ramifications are irrelevant to us as betters. The distraction level is what we're measuring, especially in the case of when we got Big Ben and Tomlin, Big Ben's already questioned Tomlin about his discipline in the past. So we've got a fractured situation coming into this. And this is I think fractured is strong. Um, and I think we got to be careful with our words because people are listening very closely and we don't want to, we want to give the, our true opinion. We coming, if I would have said two weeks ago, the Steelers locker room is fractured. Would you have agreed with that? No, not the locker room, but I do think that Ben and Tomlin do uh, not get along. But is that a fractured relationship? Probably a strong, probably a strong adjective. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I think that they that, that they're not as close as maybe a Steeler fan would wish, and we saw another example of that. Um, okay, Pittsburgh, Seattle. I've heard there's a lot of talk about Carolina. Apparently, the Carolina owner was the least supportive, I guess, of the players, and some of the players are saying we don't. We feel like if we do something political, there we there might be. Uh, ramifications, uh, you know, where someone might get cut or whatever. Do we put Carolina on the list of distract, possibly distracted teams? It's certainly, you know, and we're always looking for information advantages on, on both sides of the counter here. It certainly has given us a new avenue, if nothing else, to look for information. Never in the past have we been indulging. That sounds like a politician. Is Carolina... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's issues. That's the problem. Hey, if you had that information, if I could tell you before the game, hey, look, the Carolina locker room all week, there's players that are nervous. They don't know what to do. They feel strongly about it. I would make probably a point and a half adjustment. Sure, but I don't know that that's actually happening. So until we do. Yeah. So is there any other teams other than Seattle and Pittsburgh that we would put high on the list of possible distractions? I can't think of any now, but it's something that needs to be monitored closely because we're hearing more and more players come out this week. And it's, you can kind of read between the lines with what some of the players say pro level question. Do we play less teasers? It seems like the variance we've just added a variable distraction. I could, could I would make the case Baltimore might be on this list. Now we could say it was the travel to, you know, to London last week. But it seems like to me, in general, in the NFL, the more unusual variables there are, the less each point is worth. And thus, I don't want to buy teasers. I think that's a great point. And you might even look at the alternative um, line and play a pleaser the other way because the theory was Carolina would be distracted. They did not cover. 
they got blown out of the water. Never the game was over in the second quarter. So when you see that sample size of one, but the extreme result really supports what you just said. And if you go against the spread, the, you know, the bears game was a fairly extreme result, right? Is when you win by a touchdown or six and you're a seven point dog, that's a 13 point difference. And when you're looking at a basic strategy teaser, remember when you got a seven to an eight and a half point favorite, that's, a wise guy delight to tease it down to minus one. And here's a situation where you should have, it's always easy after the fact, say, wow, with all this uncertainty, there's a lot of variance on the seven point favorite. Let me stay away. Just to be clear, because Bill Simmons often talks about teasing from seven down. I am so much less inclined to tease a seven point favorite than a seven and a half point favorite. Are you still looking just pure advantage with a seven point favor? When it's what I call a seven and a quarter point favorite. So it's like minus seven, lay a dollar 20. I almost look at that RJ like it's a seven and a half, but I get the pricing on the seven down to the one. Yeah, which I believe, and Maddie, we've never talked about this, but I actually believe a seven minus 120 is seven and a half, right? I mean, what's seven worth now? 11 cents? Exactly. And so right. that's why it's a cheaper actually to tease yeah. a seven okay. minus 20 down. Pregame.com. All right, let's get to the games. First game, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, because they are teams, I think, potentially distracted in this game. Maddie, who do you, uh, as we say, oh, just to let you guys know, we're going to do a lean or like on every game from the boys. Lean means, ah, it's a half a point one way or the other. Like is, it's more than that, potentially even a bet. We're going to give the boys one pass. We're going to give the boys one total. Lean or like? I'm going to lean Pittsburgh. You know, one of the interesting factors here is when they first started going to London, the NFL, they used to give every team that played there the week off after. That doesn't happen anymore because they play there too often. Just to be clear, the only team, though, correct me if I'm wrong, that's played without a week off was the Colts last year. Now, this is now new teams doing it, but we've got a history of one. That's right. Uh, And they actually covered that game. I was batting against them off that one last year, off that one situation. But they were the first, but now it's very commonplace. We're seeing both teams that played in the London game. Yeah, but these are going to be the number two and three this week. Yes. Right, so we've got a history of one so far. Yeah. So do, do we look back and see the Colts overperforming? Last year and say, oh, maybe it's not a bad thing. Or, or do we still think it's a negative? Are we da- are you downgrading Baltimore because they played in London last week? Well, I could s- say this for the same reason Steve and I played Jacksonville last week, because we knew they were used to that trip, that travel, what it entails to go there. Baltimore obviously didn't handle that travel well because they lost by 40 points. Almost. We could say that because they didn't handle the travel and the environment go- going there well, there's a possibility they may not handle the travel in the environment coming back well. And against the division rival like Pittsburgh with the offensive firepower they have that has yet to really, you know, cor- cor- you know correlate onto on the field success for the Steelers. I have to lean Pittsburgh in this situation. I lean Steelers as well. I think with a short week. And- so line is Pittsburgh three. It opened up. One and a half or so, Pittsburgh three on the road. Right. And, you know, long history of these two teams playing close games, which concerns me. But the fact that Baltimore has O-line problems. Remember, Urschel, their center, retired before the season started. Then they lost their best O-lineman. If there's one theme that we've been making money all year long is whenever we see a team crippled on the O-line and fading them, we've been making money. I like the over here. We're down to 42. I think that the Ravens are not going to get blown out. Uh, again, maybe they lose by 10, but it's not going to be in it. They're not going to allow themselves to get embarrassed on their home field against Pittsburgh. 
and us, I think even down 17, down 21, they're going to keep fighting where sometimes a team will give up in the NFL just to get to the next game. I think the Ravens will not be embarrassed. And thus there could be, if Pittsburgh does, you know, get out to a big lead, which it seems like you both think is possible. I think the Ravens keep throwing. Flacco is great on those long pass interference. It only takes a couple of those when the total is only 42. I also think Le'Veon Bell, his issue is either he got old, which he's too young to have gotten old, or he missed training camp. So now we're getting into week four. Is he going to start improving a little bit? Uh, Oh, go ahead and I'll finish. The series history concerns me in Baltimore. Nine times these teams have played. But same thing with, with like, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, like 12 out of 16 has been three points or less, and you're laying three. That's a good point, so I went against that. But nine straight times these teams have combined for 43 or fewer points in Baltimore. Now, you're right, that total drop from 44 to 42, but I think it's going to keep dropping. I'd wait for a 41. Okay, and I also think that, uh, I mean, this steal, this, this Steelers, offense really just keep not performing. I mean, I thought entering the year, if we just, if we were playing not necessarily fantasy, cause I don't fully understand how points are scored. I am no expert of fantasy, but is this the best entering the year? Wasn't this one of the best offenses on paper that we've seen in, in a long time? I don't know anyone who makes power ratings who had this offense ranked anywhere outside the top five. Yeah. And I think preseason. A lot, yeah. I think a lot had him number one. I mean, Martavius, and again, he's dropping, you know, dropped a pass, but okay. So we got lean, Maddie Holt, Pittsburgh, lean, Steve Fezzik. I'm going with a like on the over next game. Oh, Fezzik versus the world. We're starting with Colin Cowherd. All right. Colin said, boy, you know, I was on with him in July on set and I was making fun of golf. He hasn't mentioned it. I, I hope he forgets. I hope he's not listening right now. But Goff, by the way, is the third-ranked starting quarterback QBR in the NFL. Third-ranked starter in the NFL right now. Oh, just behind Brady and Matt Ryan. We'll see. I mean, this McVay must be a genius. So Colin has the Rams as the ninth-best team in the NFL Steve Fezzik, your power ratings, best in the business, put up every Wednesday at pregame.com, 1 to 32. Where do you have the Rams? I have the Rams 18th, so we are nine apart. But I do applaud Colin for taking an extreme position on a team. You know, there's a high variance with the Rams, RJ, at the end of the year. By the way, you've got the Rams 19th. 19th, I'm sorry. It must be. You've got a, there's a three-way tie for 19th, or a four-way tie. You've got the Ravens. The Panthers, the Rams, and the Giants, all one and a half points worse than an average team. And the biggest variance is the Rams, because what have we seen from last year? Goff couldn't play. Now McVay, huge upgrade in coaching. Goff has looked like a extremely good quarterback. It's possible that the Rams, by the end of the year, could be the ninth best team. He's got to prove it a few more games, though. Matty Ho, 19 or 9 for the Rams. Where are you going? I'm a lot closer to 19 than nine. One of the biggest mistakes betters can make, and this is what we try to never do as an odds maker, is overreact to what we saw last. Three games isn't a good enough sample size. And oh, by the way, he didn't look very good in game two against Washington. So two games isn't a good enough sample size with one of them coming against the worst defense in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers. The other 
one coming against the third worst defense in the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts. This is a Thursday to Sunday game for one team, the Rams, and a Monday to Sunday game. So 10 days versus six days rest. Fez, how are you accounting for that? And by the way, we've got the Cowboys favored by six at home over the Rams. Yeah, so clear advantage for the Rams with the extra rest. I look. Oh, so let me get that straight. So if you have 10 days, it's an, more better than six. But the odds makers are aware of it. If you blindly bet this, it was only 16 and 18 against the spread historically. So, and, and, and there's been 16 and 18 this many instances. Yeah, pretty crazy. But, you know, one thing, look at the, the line move on this game. It was eight. Blink and it's down to six. So the betters are seeing what Colin sees, that the Rams are undervalued. And they're seeing that situational 10 versus six days. And they bang the Rams hard. Now, you say the Rams are undervalued by the betting market at the opener of eight. But let's do the math on your... So Cowboys are three points better than an average team in your updated ratings. And the Rams, we said, are one and a half points worse. So it's four and a half. And what are you giving the Cowboys? Two and a half for home? Only two. two. So six and a half. So so really what you're saying was... They, the Rams were undervalued at eight, but now it's in line with your power ratings. Exactly. And to be, to totally disclose it, this was my underdog game of the week, RJ, when it was eight, I pulled it down. Now that it's six, I think the value. So gone. just to be clear with the premium picks, you put it up for your subscribers, for the daily buyers, those that bought it, bought it at eight, got that nice number. When it got below a touchdown, you said no more value. That's one thing we're proud of at pregame.com. When lines move and the value is gone, we take the play down. So when you buy, you know for sure that you're getting the at least the intended value. Hopefully there's always value, but at least you're getting the intended value. And I added some value. I put I gave them the over in the game as well. I do see a lot of points being scored. Okay, so when it comes to your leaner like, you're using your one total and going over. Yes. And just give us a quick handicap and then we'll get Maddie on the side. I think it's all about the Cowboys are injured in the secondary. They lost a lot of guys to free agency. Now Skandrick and two other cornerbacks are banged up. And the Rams are the number one scoring offense right now in the NFL. They should be able to take advantage of all those injuries and missing players. Jason Garrett. I mean, a lot of guys here in town think he's a bottom quartile quarterback or or coach. Um, Do we think McVay is McVay at the level now? We think he'll exploit a Garrett. Oh, I would think so. He's an up-and-comer. I, Matty Holt, like or lean or like? I have a slight lean toward the Rams here. There are no slight leans. You have a lean. So I have a lean toward the Rams here at, at plus six. But I, I don't, was trying to hedge. But I don't really love this game. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I am nervous of the fact that, let's face it, the, the Rams' best team they played was the Washington Redskins this year, and they looked poor doing it. The two, Even in their two wins, I wasn't overly impressed with the way they finished against San Fran. Um, I, I do st- agree that the Dallas secondary with all those injuries might be one of the five worst in football now because of how many guys were banged up. We saw it Monday night against the Arizona Cardinals early on, and it wasn't the secondary that got better in the second half. It was that Dallas actually found a way to get a pass rush on Carson Palmer that made the difference because when, when there was no pass rush, that secondary, bottom five in the league. Okay, so... And by the way, just to be clear about these leans, because we want to give you even if there's a half a point, so in uh, half a point edge. So you're saying you think Dallas should be maybe five and a half. Yes. And they're six. Yeah. That's your you lean. Okay. Next game. Pregame.com. I'm RJ Bell. 
Maddie Holt, the bookmaker, Steve Fezzik, the better, the wise guy, round table. We've got another disagreement, Fezzik versus the world. This time it's versus the bookmaker, Maddie Holt. Now we will have a crossfire game coming up where these guys are on separate sides of the game and it's going to be a fierce, fierce debate. But you actually, Maddie, have a disagreement about the San Francisco 49ers. I think the San Francisco 49ers got a lot of love for the hiring of Shanahan, bringing them in. And then they played Seattle tough in a 12, six game, but everybody tends to agree that Seattle has one of the five worst offensive lines in football. But what no one's saying on the other side is that San Francisco has one of the, if not the worst defense in the entire NFL. And they proved it again. Jared Goff is now the third greatest quarterback in football because he got to play the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, uh, even the Carolina offense got going against this team. This is the worst defense in football. And I think if you look in comparison, if you could play, have the Indianapolis Colts versus the San Francisco 49ers on a neutral field, according to Fez's rankings, San Francisco will be laying three and a half. Everyone I have to imagine would take the more than a field goal with the Colts on the neutral. So a little more context. So he's got the 49er. Remember, you can see all these ratings up at pregame.com. And Fez tweets him out too at Fezzik Sports, F E Z Z I K on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports. Number 28, San Fran, four and a half points worse than average. He has the Bears tied with them. Then three point de- jump down to the Browns at 30, and they're seven and a half points. The Colts at 31, the Jets at 32. So, He's saying there's only three teams worse than the Niners, so that's bad. But you're saying he's got a big old jump to that bottom three. You don't see it. Fez, do you want to concede? Do you want to say you're right, I'm wrong? No, I'm right. And it's going to cost <laughs> Wait, you. I thought in the prep you said you might concede a little here. I did say that, but I'm not going to concede. Because I framed it that it would be like <laughs> passive. Let me give the Let numbers. Let me say this. Are you going to be open-minded enough, cultured enough to say, hey, there's new information and I'm going to add it to my analysis. So now you're going to be like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, but my new information is <laughs> going to support my point. Um, Maddie talked about the defense for San Francisco. I actually think the defense is fine. They're giving up five yards per play. That's better than the NFL average. I mean, they held Seattle to 12 points. I mean, I know Seattle's O-line is struggling, but they still played great in that game. Carolina didn't move the ball against San Francisco. It was the, the problem is on offense and Shanahan, we said it's going to take a while Well, it's week four now, instead of week one, very complex offensive systems. I think Hoyer will improve. Well, I think the offense is pretty good on Thursday, right? Well, yeah, that was such a, a bizarre game back and forth. So I'm not going to throw the defense under the bus for one bad game against the Rams. And I do think that this is a game CGT is going to lose big on because the pros are going to go ahead and bet that plus seven against them. Um, I don't have Arizona Hardly any better than San Francisco. That's a crazy number, them catching seven. Okay, so let's talk about, huh? Well, let's start here. I'll put pregame.com in the game center. You click game center at the top, and then which are the odds and the, the, the bet splits and everything. Hit the consensus tab, and you can see the cash splits and the ticket splits. As of Wednesday afternoon here in Vegas when we're taping, of the tickets on the 49ers, 89% of the cash on the 49ers. So this does feel like a little pros versus Joes where the big bets are on the Niners here. Additionally, Maddie, we want to get your like or lean or lean or like on this game. 
is this is the second of two 10 days of rest versus six. So right now we got the Cardinals minus seven, even, which means a little lower than seven. I mean, I slightly, I, mean, I lean towards San Fran here. Same thing. All the extra preparation with up and coming coach is only going to help. And Arizona just seems to do the same thing. Every game, their offense looks okay. They spread the ball around. And then as soon as they get down, they just throw these long downfield passes so often that are, have such a lower percentage of success that they end up at being in bad down and distances and they end up failing their, their offense stalls in the second half of every game. And, and I think that could be a problem here. Sand fans probably good enough to keep this close with two bad teams. This is actually the total that I that I was kind of looking at on the board here uh, because neither one so of the total is 44 and a half. Yeah, this is the total I was looking to play over. I think San Francisco has one of the three worst defenses in football. And I think that Arizona actually does like to throw the football downfield, which is a weakness of the San Francisco 49ers. And I think both teams will, should be able to score enough to get this one over the 44 and a half. All right, so you are going with your one total as you're like. Yeah. All right, and you gave us a little bonus, half a lean or so on the Niners. Fez. I like the, the dog here, the plus the seven. Yes. Did I confuse you with the yeah, question? I, I thought I already disclosed it. So, yeah, yeah I, like, I like the 49ers. You know, we, so just to be clear, we, talk, uh, we talked about the team. Now I want to talk about the matchup. I haven't heard you say one word about Arizona. So let's talk, let, let, let me reset for you. 49ers, Cardinals. Cardinals are favored by seven. Lean or like? I like the dog plus the seven. And I, what Maddie said about Arizona, I agree strongly. I really think this is a team. No team has been downgraded more in my ratings since the start of the, the year. And RJ, this is really unusual. Every week I downgrade them more as I don't like what I see at all. I think they had a perfectly scripted game plan against the Cowboys who were shot in the secondary. And that's why they looked good for a quarter and a half. I really think Arizona has the potential to be a 5-11, and 4-12 team. Let's give some context to how much the downgrade has happened because sometimes you'll have a team you're high on. They'll start off 0-3, 1-2, and you won't hardly downgrade them. Here, though, you've reacted. Now, obviously, David Johnson, his absence is an informational type change, which, you know, that was an adjustment that everyone made. But you've been aggressive going downgrading Arizona. You started the season with them two points better than the average team. Kansas City started the season two points better than an average team. And the Dallas Cowboys started the season two points better. But now you've got Kansas City and we'll be talking about them. Tide is the best team in the league with Atlanta. And you've got Arizona number 26. Yes, three and a half points worse than average team. And things like the you lose David Johnson, you put in Chris Johnson. He's not even a capable backup. So how much is a as a premium running back worth? Well, we got to look at who the guy taking over is. Twelve carries, seventeen yards against the Cowboys on Monday night. And remember, Arizona was shredding the Cowboys through the air. So the running game should have been wide open, and he barely gains over one yard per carry. Terrible. Game number three in Fezic versus the world. Well, he's versus me on this one. This is ludicrous. Ludicrous. The Buffalo Bills, two and one. And we know record isn't the only thing that matters. Number 25 in the Fezzik power ratings. Three points worse than an average NFL team. Oh, God, let me have the Bills against the Bengals. 
and I'd be getting one and a half with the Bills on a neutral. Now, everyone out there, think about it. The Bills, the Bengals on a neutral, and you're getting the Bills plus the points. Maddie, I got to start. I'm not even going to. I'm going to let Fest do in this one. Who would you be batting there? There, there is no way that an zero and three team that failed to score a touchdown in two straight <laughs> games would ever be favored over a two and one team in the NFL that runs the ball the way the Buffalo Bills does, plays that good at defense, and oh by the way, their quarterback never turns the ball over. You know, some would say the Bills are one of the top three defenses in the league. Could you have one of the top three defenses in the league and be the twenty fifth best team? That, that certainly feels low. Buffalo, I think. Uh, it's almost impossible. I feel like people bought into it, the fire. It's beyond comprehension now. almost. Everyone said, oh, Sammy Watkins, you know, they're giving up. They're getting rid of all these guys. They were just conditioning this team, I think, to, to where they want to be. Steve Jobs once said that every, and I'm not saying this is correct, but Steve Jobs once said every man, every woman, every person should do LSD one time to really open your mind. I'm not recommending it. But if no one, if someone's thinking of doing LSD this week, I would say spend about a half hour of your trip thinking about the Bengals and the Bills and figuring could the Bengals possibly be favored. Oh, Fez, did you want to say something? <laughs> yeah, I think I I got in trouble with the Bills week one against the Jets because I had the Jets rated so low that when the Bills only won by seven, it didn't cover. Remember, Eight. they're up. They're they're, they're up. actually won by nine, twenty-one, twelve. Yes, they're up 14 to 12. Correct. And the Jets were going for two and they didn't get it. And then the Bills won 21 to 12. I downgraded the Bills too much because the Jets are clearly better than we thought. The only thing I can say in my defense is statistically, these two teams, believe it or not, are fairly comparable. The Bills gained four points against the Bengals. Yeah. Yards from the yards per play metric. The Bills are actually a plus point one. And believe it or not, the Bengals are only a minus Point two. So that would mean that, that at best they'd be even teams. Well, but remember, going into the season, the Bengals were supposed to win eight games and the Bills were supposed to win six and a half. So the Bengals came in higher rated. But if we throw all the preseason ratings in the trash can, the Bills are the statistically better team. And I agree, I should bump the Bills. That was a long way to get to that, wasn't it? <laughs> but you got to give them credit. Now, I will say one thing, and obviously we've been teasing with them, is just because as a bookmaker, Maddie, and correct me if I'm wrong, you say, oh, well, they would never be favored in this spot. doesn't mean he's wrong. No, no, it, it just doesn't. means that's what the market would think. And, and a better has to be different than the market sometimes, right? And I think sometimes, you know, and, and as a contrarian better, I'm trying to go against things like all three no teams are not good and all three teams are not so bad. So, okay. Ooh, that was a good one. See, Fez, look how lucky you are that we're shaping up your numbers. <laughs> I, I want to say that if whoever has to set the numbers, it's very difficult. <laughs> if I just set my own numbers and I had 12 hours later, I could come back and always find a mistake. Oh, I would not want to put my numbers against yours for sure. Okay, let's talk about the game. We've got the Falcons. who You've got is the best team tied with Kansas City in the NFL, favored by eight, hosting the Bills. I lean toward the Bills here. I love the way they run the football. I like LaShawn McCoy in the backfield. I like the dynamicness that he can bring in the passing game as well. And I like the fact that Tyrod Taylor doesn't turn the football over. And let's face it, there's a there's a ton of stats out there that all say the team that wins the turnover battle a lot of times wins the game, not only covers the spread. At least with Buffalo, you know you're going to get an honest effort. They're not going to give the game away. I'll take eight with a team. Especially with, that's a perfect storm if you're getting over a touchdown. Right, That's is right. not turning over. By the way, the stat 
is against the spread, the winner of the turnover battle covers the spread 77% of the time. We've got a Maddie Hole lean on the Bills. Fess. I lean to the Falcons. And so excellent points about the Bills being, you know, arguably even a mediocre average team in the NFL. I won't go that far. But the Atlanta Falcons, I've got them tied with the Kansas City Chiefs. Best team in the NFL. Super Bowl hangover, maybe for one week against the Bears. Statistical profile, that yards per play differential, the metric, the number one metric we like to look at, plus 1.5 yards per play. That's what it was last year, their Super Bowl team, which I had rated six points better than average team. I only have Atlanta four and a half points better. Also, brand new stadium, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, looks to have a home field advantage. I'm about to bump it up from three to three and a half. And so if I've got a team that's four and a half points better than average team with a three and a half point home field advantage, it's going to take a lot for the bills to hang in here. Well, yeah, it would seem like with your original ratings before I helped you correct them is, <laughs> is you would have loved Atlanta here, right? Cause if you just do the math, it, it, it comes out quite strong. What is different Faz, about Atlanta? Cause I wasn't high on Atlanta. I thought everything fell right last year. Shanahan's loss. I thought Matt Ryan. The funny thing was the narrative entering last season was Matt Ryan was getting old. Right? I mean, that was. And then people said, well, Shanahan's moving the pocket. So maybe that's why, you know. And boy, I know they could have lost that opening game and all that. But they didn't look great last week. But they were really negative in turnovers last week and still won the game. They did look great. That's the secret. Everyone's oh, the scoreboard didn't look great last week the, for the Falcons. The narrative, the mainstream media narrative is, wow, the Lions should have won. They got jobbed by the refs. And the truth is Atlanta shredded this team. They uh, were minus three in turnovers that kept the Lions in the game. And RJ, you have a stat about teams that are plus three in turnovers and get a pick six for a touchdown about how it's impossible to overcome that, right? Yeah, I saw this from Warren Sharp initially, but it was, and I don't have the exact number in my head, but it's some variation of if you're plus three in turnovers and one of those turnovers was returned for a touchdown, that the teams were like 120 and three, meaning that you, it's so hard to overcome that. And Atlanta actually overcame that. So we'll be talking Detroit in a minute, Maddie, but you were all over the world with your Detroit talk last week. On Fox Radio, coast to coast, Washington State to the capital, Washington, and everywhere in between, Matty Holt was on the radio saying he would take the lines over the Packers if he could have a Super Bowl ticket in his pocket. Still would. Still would. Still would. I got good news. In town, games of the year, the Green Bay Packers right now are laying six and a half. That game's right around Halloween, hosting the Detroit Lions. Ooh, you, got, you might want to fire on that, baby. I probably will. <laughs> it looks like Maddie's getting a little. De- Are you getting depressed? No, no, I love it. I, I like Detroit. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was unfortunate they lost that game because home field to them is going to mean a lot in the playoffs. For you know, since they don't playoffs. Have- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's already worried about that Super Bowl. the The path to the Super Bowl for the Lions. I'm still skeptical, though. I will say this: the guys that watch the film, they do. But I've used a lot of stats with the Lions where they've trailed in the fourth quarter like 17 of the last 19 games, which I think is, is the exact number. But people I talk to that watch the film say, this is a much better team than last year. So in a I way, mean, look how green Bay looked last week. Who would you rather have right now? I mean, did green Bay impress anybody last week? That offensive no, line, I with no Brian Beluga and 
you know, missing another offensive lineman. If they played right now on a neutral, I certainly, I would personally would bet Detroit is a pickup. It's just, yeah, Green Bay just has a bigger upside when they get their guys healthy again. Maybe when all the rosters are changed and healthy, they do. But right now, we can only compare what we have on the field for both teams. I think that they're equal or Detroit slightly better. Though not to get too much in the weeds here, if the bet was make the Super or win the Super Bowl or not, you would estimate who's coming back and consider that, sure. right? But, um, okay. Last thing, and then we're going to go to a public pounder, which means the public is heavy, heavy, heavy on one side. But my last thing on this Falcons game is this is a public pounder. Pretty much 91% of the tickets on the Falcons. So Fez and 91% of the batters, the $20 batters are on the Falcons. Me and the biggest bookmaker in Nevada are on the bills. No value, no editorializing, just given the facts. I'm RJ Bell. We got the wise guy round table. And one point on that game is Atlanta Falcons <laughs> will be the most used teaser team by far this week. It won't even be close. Yeah. Cause it's it, not only the advantage teaser through seven and three, but it's a super public, like can't imagine the Falcons losing. They could be the wrong side minus eight and still be a favorable teaser minus two within. Su- yeah. If it's now, if it's wrong by like two points, no, but a smidge wrong. Agreed. Cause of the, again, going through seven and three next game, the one big public pounder of the week the Patriots, 95% of the tickets over the Panthers. Pats at home, minus nine. Guys, we've never had this before. Only one pass each is allowed from the boys. They both pass this game. And I think it's so instructional. We'll talk quickly about it. I think it's so instructional that there's two times to pass. One, you think the number's right. The other is you just don't know what to think. Right. Number could be way wrong. It could be exactly right. You don't know. I think a big reason that you guys are passing and Maddie, we'll start with you is there. I think it's so hard to figure out this Carolina offense, both Carolina offense and the Patriots defense number 32 right now yards per play. That's right. So now you have the worst defense statistically against one of the worst offenses. And not only is Carolina really struggling coming out of the gate, Cam didn't get any reps in preseason, but now you take away a top wide receiver, their top tight end. Greg Olson's going to be out for a while. They're starting a rookie running back who doesn't quite know all the system and the plays yet. There are a lot of reasons not to like this Carolina offense, but on the flip side, this New England Patriots defense is as bad as any I've watched this season, including the San Francisco 49ers. So, yeah, I mean, I just did not, I'll admit, I did not know what to expect in this game. I think strong points. I agree completely. I think I want to bet against Carolina's offense and I want to bet against New England's defense. Help me out, guys. I'm surprised no one has brought this up. I brought the New England Patriots rating down. They were the number one team. Now they're my number three team in the NFL. Now that surprised me. So let's talk about that. Is a lot of the public popularity, well, not so much popularity, but the mainstream media polls, had the Pats way dropped off after KC, uh, that loss. You stood firm. Number one, wasn't even close. But after last week, and a lot of sharp money on I mean, I had Houston everywhere. I, I felt like that, especially with Watson having 10 days and, and all that. And we can talk about Watson here in a minute, too, quickly. But Pats won the game, right? They fell short of the cover, obviously. You downgraded them three and a half points. So what did you see that, that freaked you out so much fast? Two things. They really didn't win the game. There was three plays that were all coin flips. Houston had a third and one to win the game. They didn't get it. 
then New England fumbled, then they threw an interception that got dropped. So it wasn't like, oh, we knew New England was going to win. They were going to lose, RJ, in this game. And then you look at the statistical profile. How can I have this team rated so high? They gained 6.4 yards per play. That's great. Brady's great. Their defense gives up 7.1. They're actually a minus 0.7 yards per play. That's like, you know, a 5-11 and 11 type team statistically. How can I have them rated this high? I'm in a quandary. I don't know what to do. I'll tell you this. People who watch the film again think Brady's playing the best he's ever played. Do we all agree that they're the number one offense in the league? The Pats? Yes. I mean, that's yeah, a I unanimous right agreement, there. right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, Brady, it's, the, the narrative coming in was he's 40, right? He's playing well. Um, I think it's going to take a while with the playmakers. Fez, you, I think it was you made the, 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 a great point, and if it, Maddie will certainly speak up if it was him, is that they ha- if you look at the team – the, the the veterans, the ones that's been there a while, the veterans of the Pats are injured or hobbled, and the new players hadn't integrated fully yet. I think by the end of the year, if if some, you know, obviously Edelman's not coming back, but if, if the injuries clear up and they integrate the new players, this offense is clearly the best. And that happened this week. Cooks, their acquisition from New Orleans was phenomenal. Won the game on the last catch, but he had a huge game prior to that as well. Now, on SB Nation Radio, which used to be Yahoo Radio, which is a national network, um, I do a show on Tuesday night, a full hour with Fred Fowler out of ESPN Houston, actually. Radio is a strange business. And I have known Fred for years. And all we do is break down, recap the weekend. There's all these preview shows, but I like to do a full recap show and Fred, and, and the link to that podcast is on my Twitter right now, at RJ in Vegas. Just go down a few tweets. A um, couple things Fred told me as a Houston native. He thought that Watson's looking so good that the offense right now for Houston is the best in the Bill O'Brien era. So not asking you to agree or disagree with that, but does Watson cause you optimism for Houston? Yes, I do think, and I'll even go as far as to say that this could be the best Houston offense in the Bill O'Brien era, but I don't know what that was saying about any of the prior offenses (laughs) in the Bill O'Brien era. (laughs) So, uh, Watson, you're up on him? Huge upgrade to Watson. One play in particular, rolled left under pressure, RJ, turned around and fired it against the grain. This is a pass you cannot throw in the NFL. It gets intercepted all the time. Good quarterbacks don't throw this. The kid has such a gun on his arm. That's why he played. He single-handedly led Clemson past Alabama, uh, zipped it in 40-yard gain. The kid is special. I'm a believer. Okay, so these are the two quarterback storyline games we're going to talk about with Houston being the first. I do want to recap, though, quickly the Pats. Both of you guys are passing. Here's what I'm doing. Whoever does well between the Patriots' defense and the Panthers' offense Right, So if the Panthers' offense is particularly bad, then Pat's D is going to look good, or vice versa. I'm looking to fade that unit next week with probably a team total because I think it would be a perfect storm because someone's got to look good, I guess. I guess they could both be middling. All right, so getting to the game, though, with the Titans and Texans, and we just talked about the storyline of Watson coming in. We do have the Texans at home as an underdog, about a two-point dog right now. Lean Tennessee. I took this team to win the division at plus 170, plus 150, plus 120, and even bet them to win the division at even money. Nothing's changed my mind. 
one kind of sluggish performance against the uh, Oakland Raiders hasn't changed my mind. They throttled the Jacksonville Jaguars. They throttled the Seattle Seahawks last week. Uh, they tend to fare well against division opponents here. Familiarity. I like the way they run the football. So that pass rush of that pass rush of Houston will be nullified a little bit. I'm going to go ahead and uh, lay the short, basically pick them game, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, yeah, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, but a lot of them, most people haven't heard of where there's just guys that watch the film. And, and one of them said that, that this Tennessee team reminds them of Seattle five, four years ago. And I also heard someone talking about how Mariota is like as loved as any player in the league in his own locker room. So it seems like there's a culture building here. Uh, and obviously that Raiders get, I mean, imagine if they had beaten the Raiders, what would the narrative be right here? And what would the line be today? Yeah, but but they didn't, right? I don't think that rate. And again, you would say, well, the Raiders are better than we thought. But then we, you know, last week, that's why this is not an easy profession, NFL handicapping. Speaking of that, maybe the most famous, best, in my opinion, public NFL handicapper in the world, Steve Fezzik, like or, or lean or like Titans, Texans. I like the Texans. I think you guys nailed it. You just said this could be Bill O'Brien's best offensive team. Well, if it is, they're going to win this game because the Texans can D it up with anybody. And they went eight and eight, nine and seven year after year with TJ Yates and a bunch of stiffs at quarterback. If Watson can play, this team is going to ruin our division bets, Maddie, that you and I both have on these Tennessee Titans. Yeah, but I mean, if you're getting one and a half at home, that means you're four and a half points worse than the team you're playing, right? So the line's not off that much. I mean, even if Watson turns out to be pretty good, Tennessee's the better team, right? Probably. I'm not certain of that. There's still (laughs) a lot of variance with Watson. We don't know how good he is. We don't know how good Goff is. By the way, Brady threw for 300 yards. First time since 2015, the Texans have given up a 300-yard passer. That's almost hard to believe the way the rules are today. So you're right about the defense. Okay, so there's a disagreement there between the boys, but that's not their strongest disagreement. We've got a crossfire coming up. Next, though, the second of two quarterback storylines. This one isn't quite as sweet. Bengals, Browns. Maddie, you had a pretty bold statement in prep about the Browns quarterback. Uh, according to the numbers thus far, Deshaun Kaiser is the worst starting quarterback in the entire NFL in 2017. Do you agree with the numbers? I actually do. He hasn't looked the part. I know he looked okay in the second half in game one versus Pittsburgh, but outside of that one 10 minute stretch, he has looked massively overwhelmed. He left one game because of headaches, which did not, you know, really warm him up to the fellas in the locker room. Cause this is football. It's not badminton. You don't go in the locker room. Cause you feel like you might have a migraine. Um, and he just doesn't seem to be getting the plays. in. Fezzik threw away his Scotty Pippen Jersey when Pippen was out cause of migraines. <laughs> <laughs> Put a big, ad. it was all like the NWO almost got spray paint. Ahead, and, and Cleveland two and 11 against the spread last 13 games against uh, teams in their division. I, I not anything for me to really like for this Browns team. All right. And we'll be talking about the handicap here in a minute, but in general though, with the quarterback and we'll talk to Fez about the quarterback in a second, we're back to turnovers. This guy's holding the ball. It only takes one. I mean, the Browns aren't going to win a game if they're losing the turnover battle. And to me, this narrative of the Brown, you know, the Colts are worse 
and the Jets are worse. And Fez saying the Bills might be tanking. Oh, we, I didn't even bring that up. <laughs> Is the idea that the Browns are on some good track? Maybe at some point, but man, oh man, this season, Fez, let's talk quarterback first. Yeah, you guys nailed it. Kaiser is unable to process the information. The game is too fast for him right now. He's got a great arm. He's tremendously athletically gifted, and maybe that'll come down the road. But right now, he's just deer in the headlights on some place. And when we say worst in the league, we're talking about, you know, uh, the the second and third worst are in the high 60s, 70s of, of quarterback ratings. His quarterback rating, I think, is in the 50s, like 54 or something. It is by far the worst in the NFL. He would be better served to make quick decisions, even if they're incorrect decisions, than hold the ball longer. I'm not an expert at this, but Danny Ainge talks about the bird brain. You, and it is about Larry bird, right? We've heard of bird brain, like a small brain, but it's, he believes, and listen, let's give the Celtics some credit, right? With Ainge is that some players think fast. They think a certain way. And it's not about IQ, right? I know people that are brilliant that takes them 10 minutes to say they're going to Subway for lunch. Because maybe it's they're thinking of eight things at once. I don't know why, you know, because I I think if anything, I benefit. People equate intelligence with being articulate. And, you know, I, as my wife says, you have no problem talking. You know, (laughs) that was the way she called me the first time I was on SportsCenter. You know, a TV hit live SportsCenter. I mean, this has been eight years ago now, and I was nervous. She looked at me. She goes, listen, you talk. If there's anything you can do, it's talk. Don't worry. Actually relaxed me a little bit. When I first started doing radio with RJ, every now and then he'd ask me a question, and I was contemplating my answer, and he'd say, we're we're on air live. (laughs) And that's the thing is oftentimes the skill sets to be truly brilliant at stuff are not the skill sets. And, And Fez and me, you know, most people listening, some people maybe, hopefully some, are thinking, oh, RJ and Fez f- seem similar level on this stuff. No. Uh, I mean, you know, Fez is three levels above. It's just not things that can come across on a podcast, quite frankly. Oh, I thought you were going to say you're three levels above me <laughs> in presentation. <laughs> well, seven levels above your presentation. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So in this game itself, though, you guys both have a lean, but on opposite sides. So, Matty, let's start with you. I got to go with the lean to the Cincinnati Bengals here. I mean, I, I think you in a passing league, you always have to look to fade the worst quarterback in the league, especially in a, in a tight spread game. And, and this is a game where Cincinnati's finally starting to get some players back. Right. We saw game one where they looked terrible, but two of their best defensive players were suspended. Adam Pacman Jones, Vontez Bursett. They were both back. The defense looked better in the next two games. They they held uh, Houston to just 13 points, and they certainly looked better, at least for three and a half quarters against the Green Bay Packers. So. The, the suspensions help the defense. The offense still isn't playing great, but it's coming around. And we're seeing that running game that we were supposed to see in the preseason with Joe Mixon and Jeremy Hill finally start to get on track the last six quarters. I lean Cincy. So to me, when I see a team play so badly early, I ask myself, is it variance? Is it injury? Because variance is going to, in the long run, even out. Injuries, in theory, unless it's a season long, is going to heal but it's when something isn't fixable that is where I get scared for the team and get greedy betting against them. Bengals O-line, how does that get better? 
I thought they played better this past week. What they want to do is run the ball first, and we saw it, especially for three quarters, Joe Mixon and Jeremy Hill having success running the ball against that Packers D-line. Bengals, by the way, are three and a half even, so let's call it 3.25 or so. Yeah, we had success against the Packers, but I think that's because the Packers had all kinds of injuries on defense. You know, Whitworth, he's our stud lineman that we let go to the Rams, and now the Rams are kicking butt with him dominating, and we lost another key lineman, and it's just too much to overcome. I really think the Bengals are going to struggle all year with that O-line. And thus, your pick on the game. Yes, I'm going to lean with the Cleveland Browns, and I also like the fact it's big brother against little brother. Cleveland, yeah, they get up for Pittsburgh, but they really get up for the Bengals. It's a big game, in-state rivalry. It's not as big for the Bengals, who try to get up when in their games against the Steelers and the Ravens. I do have a rooting interest in this game. As a Steeler fan, I want the Bengals to go like 7-9 and nine so they keep Marvin Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> You think I'm joking? I was so hoping Harbaugh, you know, they were ready to let Harbaugh go at a certain point in the offseason. You know, at least some of the report, I was saying, let him go, let him go. Let... Uh. All right, next game. So now we've gone through the Fezzik versus the world, the public pounders, the two storyline games. We're getting into the big games and then the big bats, Sunday night football, Colts and Seattle. To me, if you look at this game, this is a beginning of a pros versus Joes. We'll have a full pros versus Joes. Colts, 69% of the cash. Seattle, 62% of the tickets. So the big bets on the Colts. Maddie, I'm with you here, and I actually wanted to bet uh, take the Colts. I'm leaning toward them at 13, but I will say this one caveat. One of our sharpest bettors said to me, Imagine a young quarterback with only three starts under his belt going up to Seattle and dealing with that noise in that stadium and how much trouble he just might have. He goes, I understand the struggles of the Seattle offensive line, uh, all of that. But I also want to, you know, the one caveat is how does a young quarterback adapt to that crowd noise there? With that being said, the Seattle's offense is just too bad to ever lay 13 at this point. I think you have to go with the lean Colts. Here's what I'll say about the crowd. So we believe Seattle is the best home field in the NFL. Seattle is as much better in a competitive game. You look at the line and say 13 is not competitive, but being one and two, I think that crowd, at least in the first half is going to be rabid. So would you, if you do like Seattle, a lot of listeners probably do because they think you must win, blah, blah, blah. Do you look first half? Cause the crowd's going to be into it when the game's still competitive and you don't worry as much, you know, obviously you're not laying the same number. Well, I would, I want to see how the young kid handles that environment because thus far he's had to play against Cleveland and he's played against Arizona at home. He hasn't had to go to a really hostile environment like this and, and deal with that crowd noise. I actually would pass on the first half because I want to see. So I'm saying if you like Seattle, do you look first half? Maybe because the kid could come out and really struggle. Jacoby Percent. I hate to keep calling him the kid, so I won't again. I think that's like LeBron. Yeah, I don't want to be LeBron. I, I, <laughs> I, I, in fact, I feel bad about doing it already. Jacoby Percent. I apologize. I think Jacoby Percent could potentially come out and struggle in an environment that we've never seen him play in before. Fez. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Brissett, though, comes from New What's England. What's the great point? That he could struggle with the crowd noise in Seattle. He's not used to it, but he comes from New England. So he got to study under Tom Brady. Certainly, you would think that that would help. Like Matt him. Castle. 
Uh, Matt Castle went 11 and 5. <laughs> oh, yeah, Matt Castle is a very capable backup for the uh, Tennessee Titans. <laughs> um, and I, I do think that my handicap on this game is simply the same as when they played San Francisco. When you're laying 13 and Russell Wilson's getting killed and guys are falling on him each and every week, even if they get up 10, and maybe this goes back to second half looking at the dog, he can't keep running. And if he doesn't run, that offense won't work. And I think that that's, you've got to consider Wilson's health both when they're winning a lot by a lot and losing by a lot. When they're losing by a lot, do they keep throwing, right? Because every hit he takes could end the season. And if they're up a lot, you know, I used that same scenario a couple weeks ago. Let's say Seattle's up 10. They get the ball in their own 35, six minutes left. Typically, they'd want to put the stake in the heart. Do they maybe run more than run the ball? Not Wilson, but running backs more. And if so, you got to like the dog more. So I, I lean dog here for sure. And I think everyone does, right? Okay. Oh, it's cross. I got to get the old crossfire music from the old CNN show. It's cr- Now, listen, here's what I want. I want a lot of crosstalk. So I'm going to let you guys. It's a new crossfire rule. One point at a time. And then when I start getting bored, we'll end it. One point at a time. Faz, I'm going to let you start. Here's the crossfire game. Kansas City, Washington, Monday night football. KC favored by seven, minus 105. Like Kansas City here, I have them rated tight with Atlanta for the best team in the NFL. One point. Statistical profile. Yeah, they're 3-0. They're also plus 1.8 yards per play. This team has weapons all over the field right now. And you get the very best team in a Monday night game. No let up on a Monday night game. Hold on. You're getting past your first point. So first statistical po- profile. First point is this is the best team in the league. Yes. Agree or disagree? Matt Holt. Uh, I don't know if Close. I agree. Close. All right. Sure. Make your point. First point for me is two quarterbacks that were starters last year coming into this year that were the most two underrated quarterbacks in the league. Alex Smith, Kirk Cousins. One of them's getting a ton of love this year for what he's done. Alex Smith. Nobody's giving Kirk Cousins any love for how continuously consistent he performs each week. This is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL and Kirk Cousins in Kansas City could have trouble. And the great thing about taking a top 10 quarterback plus seven points, you can always sneak through the back door. All right. I'm going to disagree with the top 10 quarter. I'm jumping in as the moderator. They lost a couple of receivers. They lost the, apparently McVay's a genius borderline. It would seem as an all, you know, the offensive guru, even the games, the Redskins have looked good offensively. They've run for more than they've passed. If you just had this season, Matt, just this season, where's Kirk Cousins in your ratings? I think he's around number 10. This season, Faz responds. I think he's like number 14. I will say this, and you talk I'll about look it up as we're talking. And you said this last year, RJ. Though, I mean, Washington, I believe, was like 6.4 yards per play. That's a great metric last year with those two stud wide receivers. They're at 5.8. So they're above average, even losing those receivers and their tight end being banged up. So but a significant downgrade. Yeah, but still well above the league average, significantly. But league above. average is 16. So, I mean, if we're saying 10, and, and that's the offense. I'm saying they're running the ball. And, again, I, these are the X's and O's guys I respect. They say, you know, Washington has one of the best O-line coaches in the league, and now their D-line coach apparently has been. And, again, I don't get down to D-line coaches personally, 
but a lot of the credit and, and Gruden isn't one that's that's too well respected as a head coach. So it feels like that Washington is doing a lot right. I just wonder if it's Cousins, but I'll get his quarterback rating. Fez, next point. Home field advantage for years and years. Arrowhead was like a top home field advantage. And then the Chiefs had some leaner years and they stopped covering. So I had to lower their home field advantage back to an average level. Well, now that they're an elite team at 3-0 and in a Monday night game, I've got that three for home field advantage, but it really should be four in this game. Every year, the same thing happens where we see an overinflation and an underinflation. There are only two undefeated teams against the spread left in the NFL. One of them's the Kansas City Chiefs. One of them's the Buffalo Bills. And this happens every single year where you end up with a couple undefeated teams after three weeks. One of them always gets pushed way ahead of all the rest of them. And the other one kind of gets forgotten. The forgotten undefeated team against the spread, the Buffalo Bills. The team that's getting pushed the hardest, obviously the team that everyone suddenly considers the best team in football, the Kansas City Chiefs, the same team that all the Sharps were betting under in the season win totals. I'm going to go ahead and take the touchdown with the Washington Redskins. You know, I'm going to disagree with you last week. If these Chiefs are getting so much love, why when they're 2-0 and and they're at the Chargers... Is the money pouring in on the Chargers and knocking this game down to two and a half? People don't like Alex Smith. He's not sexy. Yeah, they're coming around to some well, of the fantasy players. 67% of the tickets, 79% of the cash on the Chiefs right now. Maybe he has suddenly become sexy. And that's why this line is going higher, I believe. Okay, by the way, and I'm going to say this with no inflection in my voice so it doesn't look like I'm gloating at all. Kirk Cousins is the 28th ranked quarterback in the NFL. 28th ranked quarterback by QBR. Okay. I'm telling you there's, I'm telling you cousin, Sal cousins. There's a reason that they go ahead and keep having one year extensions for him and don't sign him to a long-term contract. Well, you got to wonder, right? Who knows what's going on there? But I think who knows if it's a contract thing, they're also paying him as much as any quarterback in the NFL. They just don't want to make a long-term commitment. You wonder why they like McVay go. If, If they thought McVay was so much that losing him would screw cousins, why not give McVay the head job? I mean, uh, you can't look at Gruden and think, you wonder if Gruden would have that job if it wasn't for his brother. I can't imagine he would. I mean, not just the name recognition coming in, but the idea that, oh, are you going to take a bunch of heat from the ESPN mafia or whatever? So, huh. All right. Any closing thoughts? I, I, I feel like I've got my, my judgment, but Maddie, any closers? Uh, I think that you can say no. Yeah, no. In natural look, this wasn't a game I love, but I'm happy to be on this side of it. Monday night football. Historically, I know that I'm going to get better than seven on this game because everybody loves Alex Smith and the <laughs> chiefs now. Uh, and that's fine. The chiefs aren't the best team in football. They've just been the best team in football for three weeks. The Washington Redskins are an average team coming into the season. They're an average team now. And the Chiefs, to me, are only a couple points better than average. Right about where we had them ranked when the season started. Maybe they're a point better than they were. They're not a touchdown better. I think laying more than seven on Monday night football in this situation is something I'd like to avoid. I'll take the skins. Closer fast. Oh, the statistical profile says the Chiefs are better than the Atlanta Falcons and much better than the New England Patriots were in the Super Bowl last year. It's early. Also, I hate betting on a team. So much better than the Patriots team was after 18 games? Yes. Um, and to close, it's a bad spot for Washington. I hate playing on a team that gets a big upset win at home, tear down the goalpost style, and then they got to go on the road to a hostile environment. I'm going to call this one 
a push. Here's why. And listen, you know me, I'm not afraid to take a position. I agree with Maddie. There's an overreaction to the Chiefs. More that we look at the, especially the more we look at New England, right? I mean, if that's the marquee win, I think the more we look at New England, the more worried I am. And I don't believe, I mean, if you look at the difference in the Chiefs offense, it's Alex Smith throwing downfield. Is he going to be able to continually do that effectively? If so, this is an elite team. I think that's a big question mark. But I also think, and I won't reiterate too much, Washington, I think Kirk Cousins is a problem. So I think the the Washington, I think both these teams are overrated probably by the same amount. If I had to bet, I actually probably would go KC because that point about the home crowd. Kansas City loves the Chiefs. This could be a raucous crowd. Top five home crowd, I'll admit that. When, When they're motivated. Yeah. And Monday night football crowds are always motivated. Yeah. Pregame.com. I'm RJ Bell. We've got the wise guy roundtable, Matty Holt, Steve Fezzik, and we are hitting the home stretch. From here on, you're going to get a sharp money game, a double like, and three best bets. Wowza. Okay. Quickly, though, Minnesota looked great. Uh, Only thing we're going to talk about is quarterback in this game. As of Wednesday, no line is we've got the Lions. Right now, Vikings. So, Maddie, you estimate with Bradford, Vikings three without pick them? Yes, that's what we sent out to our risk team. So, in the meantime, what that means to our listeners is if there would have been an announcement, our risk team would have immediately used one of those two openers, either minus three Minnesota if they said uh, Bradford probable or pick them if they said Bradford out. Uh, Steve, you thought maybe even two and a half. No, I, 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 yeah, I had the two and a half point difference for the quarterback. So lay five with Bradford, lay two and a half with Keenum. Would be your line on the game. Yeah. So, so you're going to pretty much like Minnesota, regardless of who's quarterback. That's right. Like. Okay. Interesting. Good stuff. All right. We're boy, this is where a minute or an hour 13 or so in, and we still got one, two, three, four, five games to go. We're going to go through them with vigor and shaving off all the fat, just the good stuff. So first off, the sharp money. This is the biggest bet. Sharp, and this is from behind the counter, Matty Hole. He also gives us those games for college football. And this is a good time to talk about. We have the college football dream preview. Me at host. We got Brad Powers. We got Ken Thompson. And man, oh, man, if you like this and you bet the colleges, you're going to like the college dream preview. We've got Denver as super sharp money. And they are now up to three at home against the Raiders. To to show you how sharp this game is, the Oakland Raiders have had the most tickets written on them in their games all three weeks of the season thus far. Every single game they've played, they've had the most tickets written on them, yet the lines are... Of of the whole week? Of the whole week. So in week one, the most tickets were on the Broncos. No, week one, most tickets written on the Raiders versus Tennessee. Most. Okay, go ahead. Week two, most tickets written were on the Raiders in their home game versus the Jets. Okay. Bravi, they were a big favorite, too. Uh, Week three, most tickets written. Didn't hurt that it was Sunday night football. Raiders minus three at Washington. Most actual bets made. So what you're saying is for the fourth week in a row, as of Wednesday, the Raiders have the most bets on uh, on them as a team or that game itself having the most bets? The, the first three weeks they did. This is, But that goes to show you how much love is for the Raiders here in Las Vegas. Okay. This week they so don't thus far. A, you're setting a baseline yes. saying there's been a ton of Raiders support, 
But here against the Broncos, there's a ton of Broncos support. Correct. And despite the fact that the Raiders, we know as bookmakers, we have to use this thing called anticipatory action. Where is the public money going to come in? The public usually starts Thursday when they start betting Thursday night football into the weekend. So we have to consider anticipatory action. And despite the fact that Oakland has been the most popular team at the betting windows three straight weeks, this line's already moved two points against them in favor of the Broncos. That's how much sharp money's come in on Denver. I as leaner like yourself in this game. I'm upgrading to a like on the Denver Broncos. <laughs> and I do think statistically the Broncos are just the much better team right now. And the Raiders are one that we're just confused about, right? Because on one hand, coming into the season, we thought regression. They, uh, that Tennessee win is as impressive as any win this year of any team, I think. But last week, what did you see last week in the Raiders? They got completely miscoached. They weren't ready to go. And... It, well, see, that makes me feel good. If it's if it was a flat spot, then it doesn't carry forward. And maybe they had the Trump distraction because I haven't seen this. Is, everyone has praised the Oakland Raiders offensive line last year and the start this year. The, the problem for the Oakland Raiders last week on offense was the offensive line where they distracted maybe somehow because they sure looked like they might have been. So that doesn't feel like a repeatable, though, right? Like That's if right. the Raiders line is bad, then the whole premise of the team is off. Right. But if so, if anything, I don't think we downgrade the Raiders that much. They're not a team that deals with adversity. Last year, they had a lot of close games and they won them whenever they got behind significantly. They pretty much got blown out. So I saw them get in trouble, get behind against Washington and they were a no show. And they're going to get in trouble in games against quality teams like Denver. And bottom line, that yards per play metric, RJ, Denver's like plus one yard per play. Oakland's minus one. It is light year difference between these two. So this, all the stat guys are going to pound Denver here. And if you look at your power ratings, you've got Denver number seven, two points better than an average team. And you got Oakland number 10, one point better. So it makes sense. And Denver has the least, you know, some think a better home field. So like Denver with the sharps, coincidentally, Maddie. Uh, value means too much to me. I'm a discount shopper. So as soon as I lost two points, you know, I can't pay two fifty for a Coke. Yeah. You know, I can't pay three on Denver when I could have laid 250, one. You can't go anywhere. I mean, a subway, it's two fifty for a Coke. <laughs> so do you just sit there sipping on tap water? <laughs> no, no, I, 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 mean, I don't want to, maybe you can't pay six bucks. <laughs> sure. <for a> guy. <laughs> I can't lay, a, I can't lay three when I could have laid a uh, laid one. But at the current number, if you were forced to play, I still lean Denver. All right. Good stuff. All right, guys. We've got the double like, and then we're getting into the three best bats. London, Saints, Dolphins. I've already, I got a nice ticket in my pocket with the Saints here at two and a half. And I think that there's one factor in this game, the travel that trumps any other. Fez, you do a good job of painting a picture on this stuff. Tell us about how negative the travel situation is for the Dolphins. Yeah, so the Dolphins, let's go back to August 14th because my brain is wired chronologically. So they play their second preseason game at home. Then they got to go on the road for week three and week four preseason, not even short trips. You still got to get on a plane. You got to travel, even though everyone doesn't play four quarters, obviously. Then you got the hurricane coming, board up your house, 
fly out to Oxnard, California, extended training camp. So, like, well, how long were they out there? Like 10 days? 10 days. Then they go down to Los Angeles and have a nice win over So, the just Chargers. to be clear, we bet Miami in week two based on those 10 days. Exactly. So, right. so, it was good in the short term for Cutler the extra time. Right. So, then you go home. You haven't been home for, like, 14 days, right? You get back to Miami. You clean up from the hurricane. You spend a little time with family. You go to New York City. And you mistresses, go, whatever. And, and, and you are, we're a no show against just now. Normally, if you're a no show, you figure, oh, well, I'm going to bring it the next game, but now more travel to London. So They had to go back home to Miami and then to London. So frequent flyer miles galore. How much can any team withstand where they're constantly living out of a suitcase? How much do you agree, Maddie, that this is the key factor of the game? I think it's the biggest factor, and I think it's the biggest factor of any game this week. I think it's the biggest single isolated factor affecting any NFL game in week four. I agree with that. So other than that, maybe it's that simple because, you know, my belief is this. The market prices most factors properly. Thus, if I find one factor, I think the market isn't properly pricing and it's drastic. It's enough for me. I, I love one-factor bets because I trust the market to, to price things generally right. Any other handicapping factors, Maddie? starting with you in this game? No, I think that's the biggest one. I mean, Fez has New Orleans two and a half better in his power ratings. I only have them one and a half better in my power ratings. But the simple fact that they're both less than three and that this line hit three like that means that there has to be other factors that pushed it well beyond the normal power ratings factor. We talked about the travel I just think it's such an extenuating circumstance. There's no way I can back Miami. Fast. Just looking at, I think next week is an even worse spot for Miami. So a team I want to fade, they're going to be tired all during early October. And reading the coaching comments is Gase is talking about if offensive guys don't want to do the job, we'll put guys in that, that, that will. So if you're talking about benching guys off of seemingly lack of buy-in, these kind of this travel and fatigue, people people get snappy. You know, I get snappy when I'm hungry, right? But some people get snappy when they're tired. Me being tired takes the fight out of me. I don't want to fight. I just want to relax. But, you know, different people are different. Okay, so double like from the two, the, the better and the bookmaker on the Saints. Though at three, obviously some lost value. Bet early if you have an opinion. Three best bets coming up. We're going to go with mine first. And this is also the pros versus Joe's game. We talked about the game center at pregame.com. We talked about the consensus tab and you can see the cash. You can see the tickets only place in the world. You can see the cash for free. And I've never seen a disparity like this right now. As of Wednesday, 78% of the tickets on Jacksonville this is Jacksonville Jets, Jacksonville minus three and a half. 78% of the tickets on Jacksonville, 85% of the cash on the Jets. It's almost hard to imagine that it could be that extreme. It seems like all the big bets on the Jets. And Maddie, you were talking about you, you guys have had more significantly more cash on the Jets. Absolutely. We have pretty big liability to the Jets. In fact, they're uh they're like our fourth, third or fourth biggest liability to the book right now. And I think that there's a lot of reasons to like them here. I mean, Jaguars coming back off the London trip in, in Jacksonville, you get a top third team defense, but you also get a bottom third offense that is a little bit overachieved in a couple games this year versus Houston and versus Baltimore in extenuating circumstance. Anyone who thinks the New York Jets had the worst offense in football at this point, they have to at least 
backtrack and take a revisit that situation because the Jets have certainly outperformed plus a field goal, second straight home game, so no travel for the Jets. I don't know how you could play the other side. Yeah, so second straight home game, Jags dealing with the hurricane aftermath. And I think the Jags have been pretty fortunate. Baltimore, for whatever reason, I mean, you can't say that was all Jacksonville last week, right? There was something wrong with the Ravens. There was obviously something wrong with Houston in week one. So, And then in the other week, Tennessee dominated them. So the two wins, it seems like the other team played very out of character, right? As your eyes are lighting up, like, that's a good point. I am a big, I mean, if it was like, if the over-under for the Jags is eight and a half, does anyone even think over for the season, season wins? No. Yeah, but the, people's talking about this team like they're an above-average team. So I think we've got an over, and you've got them 17, Fess. you got them right there, minus one. Um, I personally think that the Jags are, have benefited from some unique situations. And I think the Jets, a young team, are going to build upon that victory over Miami. And I wish, and what would the line, I don't know what the look ahead was in this game. You know, I'm guessing the look, well, I guess Jags looked really good too. But man, if the Jets hadn't won, you know, we'd be getting a point and a half more. But maybe the fact they won has a young team, you know, focused and energized. Yeah, it's a great point. When you pull an upset and win, if you go on the road, RJ, the better the wise guys want to fade you. But if you've got a home underdog momentum situation, usually that's a play on situation. And let's face it, the Jaguars flying back from London. What time they get home? Monday morning? How, how much alcohol was consumed on the across the Atlantic coming home? And you could just see the coach holding up the footballs. Great job, guys. Everybody take Monday off. We'll see you Tuesday afternoon with some startup film. They're going to be behind all week long. And they won that game in London with some unique formations, some two-by-twos, two tight ends. Uh, two running backs. You don't see that very often. They surprise Baltimore with some misdirection out of that quirky stuff that won't work here. The Joes are on the Jags. The pros, RJ and the boys on the Jets. It's my best bet. By the way, we're going to be talking about this applies to Baltimore too, but let's say it explicitly. Only the Colts in NFL history have played in London and played the next week, and that was last year. Colts covered, but... I think there's a reason for many, many years they gave them a buy after. Now, did everyone just suddenly figure out they don't, you know, so maybe they don't need a buy, but I can't believe it's not a slight negative. Another reason I like the Jets. Two games left, two best bets. First, though, guys, I want to give you, uh, a, I guess you'd call it a bonus. I mean, there's nothing else you could call it. We've been giving out a coupon to buy Fez's or anyone's premium picks. And the response to this coupon, and I said this on the college dream preview, has been probably about double what I expected. And I've been so excited about one. I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? You listen to Fezzik talk and you're like, if this is his almost best games, then I want his best games. And if I can get them at a big discount, why not? I mean, the logic makes sense. So here's what I'm going to do. We've given $10 off the last two weeks. Because we've broken records each of those two weeks using this coupon, I'm going up a buck. And here's my commitment. Every week you keep breaking records, I'll go up a buck all the way to 30, right? Nothing's more than 30, so I guess we can't give them anything more than 30. So if you guys break a record with coupon usage next this week, it'll be 12. And Maddie, if they break it then, what would it be the next week? Exactly. <laughs> VP right there. After 12 weeks, I start losing money though, RJ. Well, I'm not worried. <laughs> Listen, 
My interests are aligned with the fans, Fez. Whatever that means, that means, baby. Mm. <laughs> My premium play last week was the Chicago Bears. All right. So w- why are you saying that? I just want to brag. Out right. I'm just, just bragging. It's like me saying I went 5-0 and oh and 4-1 and one in the Super Contest you the last two weeks, which I did. <laughs> I'm going to act like I'm bragging, but I, all right, I went 3-0 and oh on Kevin and, and Bean. And all, oh. and all, of, all of Maddie's selections have won. It's his partners that are weighing him down. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, all right. So here we go. NFL Dream 11. Not 10, 11. Next week it will be 12. NFL Dream 11. That's a one and a one. And it's all one word, all caps. And guys, listen, if you use a coupon, listen, if you don't want it, don't use it, right? Obviously. I mean, we got, uh, you know, many, many tens of thousands of people listening, and all you guys are not using the coupon, but more, many more than we expected are. It makes sense. And if you don't, or if you do, please go into iTunes, give us a, you know, if you like, I hope if you're listening after an hour and a half, you like it. Give us a five-star. That means a lot. Tweet it out. Post it in forms. The more listeners we get, the more time and money we can spend. You notice we're going to an hour and a half most weeks now. It's cause of all the support. Maddie looks at his phone. He's trying to give me hints. It doesn't affect me. I don't even, <laughs> I don't let it affect me. So, guys, thank you for the support. But really, though, uh, iTunes ratings, sharing it, it all matters, and we thank you for it. Two best bets to go, Matty Holt. I'm going to go with the L.A. Chargers this week. We talked about all the bad travel situations for our teams around the NFL this week. How about a good travel situation? L.A. Chargers about to play their third straight game in their home stadium, if we call that soccer stadium their home stadium. But this is their fourth straight game on the West Coast time zone as they opened up in Denver. So they played all their games basically on the Western Hemisphere here. Um, what I, I think the Chargers offense, obviously, we all would agree. Keenan Allen, Phillip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, this offense is a lot more talented than they have shown on the football field thus far. And I think this is the week they probably put it all together. Uh, you know, week one, they are field goal away from tying it against Denver. Week two against Miami, another missed kick. They were right there against the Miami Dolphins. Last week, they sort of laid an egg in what would be considered a sharp spot against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, but maybe the Sharps jumped on them a little too early. I can't see this team losing three straight games at home in what is essentially a pick em. And just think if Philly loses that game last week like they're supposed to against the New York Giants, it's Chargers minus three this week. Instead, Philly kicks a 61-yard field goal, and we only have to lay one in a game where we probably should be laying three. I'll go ahead and take the Chargers. Probably should be laying three? <gasps> What's the home field for the Chargers right now? Well, that's debatable. What's your position? I don't. I've heard people say zero, which I think is really obnoxious. I think that's extreme. I mean, there's I still just travel. negative of the other that's team. Right. Yeah, 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 there's still travel, visitor locker rooms, which are never the same. The, the and plus the Rams are now, now getting familiar with the field, right? They weren't in week one. So, Fez, you were at zero at one point, right? I'm at one. And I'm concerned they're not even sleeping in their own beds. Like I said, that the Chargers still have their home and homes in San Diego, and they're just renting apartments. But in a case like this, when you got a team traveling all the way, well, across probably not the apartments. Probably like really big nice. Yeah, uh, but yeah, not studio. They apartments. might be at the Four Seasons. They're at Manhattan Beach, like li- living it up. But um, the fact the other team has to come all the way across the country—that's got to be worth a point and a half, two points. Because if you look at your power ratings, it seems like just straight there. You you would uh, think the values on the Eagles? Yes, but I still lean to the Chargers because there's a reason. There's hardly there 
all the 0-2 teams did so well for the most part. There's hardly any 0-3 teams left in the NFL when you're a winless NFL team. It starts when you're 0-1, RJ. I think you can blindly back winless NFL teams each and every week and make money for the year. Starting in week four? Starting week two. As long as you got an 0-1 playing a 1-0. Wow. Okay. All right, so, so you're winless and, and your right. opponent has a win. And your ATS results don't matter on this theory. The ATS, I think, would be 54, 55%. No, no, what I'm saying is, let's say I'm 0-2, but I'm 2-0 ATS. Irrelevant, yeah. Okay, because it's team motivation. Um, what do you think of the Eagles? Because, I, I mean, we were kind of doing a little dance after week one. You made the pick, Fez, the, and maybe we'll start with you on this one, Fez. You made the pick the Eagles as a surprise Super Bowl representative of the NFC. What's the Eagles reevaluation? Eagles are in trouble. Um, Darby got hurt in the secondary. He was the big acquisition. They so got. there was three DBs out last week. Yeah. Two of which are coming back this week. McLeod and one of the other ones is back this week. But he won't be, they won't be 100% and they've got injuries. Sproles and some other guys are out. The Eagles are taking hits left and right from injuries and they were leaking oil against the Giants last week. They were lucky to win the game. Eagles, same thoughts? Completely agree. They were lucky to win the game, and I thought they've looked pedestrian and average in every game. They were only up five against Washington uh, late in game one, and then that crazy fumble play happens. Game two, they never had, I never had any thought in my mind that they ever had a shot to actually beat Kansas City in that game, despite the fact that they were hanging around for much of the game. And then last week, I thought they should have lost outright. The Giants had a touchdown called back. Um, you know, they missed, they blundered another one. I mean, I just think they look pedestrian and average. All right. Best bet. Maddie Holt on the chargers, Maddie Holt on Twitter. It's Matthew Holt VP. That's it. I got it. Finally three years, Matthew Holt VP. And if you like the UFC, I mean, I, I think it's what nine out, eight out of 10 tweets of yours are, are, are UFC related. Probably, you know, much like there's a lot of pro betters that take advantage of uh, immature markets uh, me and uh, one of my friends have really been able to take advantage of a, a rapidly growing, fastest growing market in sports betting UFC, but yet a market that's still immature. And we've been able to find a lot of holes in it. And, you know, I'm just thankful it's been fun. But somehow you drink tap water at Subway. <laughs> All right. Fez, you want to follow him on Twitter? His best bets coming up in a second. It's at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K at Fezzik Sports. And on Monday, he does his NFL weekend recap. On Tuesday, he comes out with his, what's Tuesday? Tuesday, by Furious 5, where I predict line moves. Live move predictions, which have been historically amazing. And then Wednesday's your power ratings. Yes. And then videos come out on Thursday. Uh, you do the Fox radio show with us. I mean, it's just massive. At pregame.com, the free content. And Fezzik Sports on Twitter. Best bet. And I got to tell you, it's been a lot of fun here, RJ. Best bet, New York Giants catching three points against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I love this game. And let me tell you why. Last week, we talked about the Giants. They're getting better. All their wide receivers were injured. Shepard, Beckham, Marshall, all had ankle injuries. And we expect the Giants to keep getting better on offense. They did get better. They hung right in against the Eagles, and they should have won. But they didn't, which is giving us extra value here. It's the same handicap. Now they're playing the Tampa Bay Bucks. Guess what? The Bucs are as injured as the Eagles were, if not more so. They have two guys in their secondary hurt, three linebackers hurt, two guys on the defensive line hurt. I know that one team is 0-3, and that's why they open up as a three-and-a-half-point dog. I think they close as a two-and-a-half-point dog. 
More importantly, I do think that the Giants win the game outright, and I think they're going to have a hidden home field advantage here. There's a lot of Giant fans down in Tampa. Okay, so a couple things. This is a, you know, close to a pros versus Joes. 55% of the tickets, so about half on the Giants, 87% of the money on the Giants. I think Tampa, we've got the hard knocks narrative, and they were off week one, and they look good in week two. But, man, I mean, you look at that Vikings game. I mean, how good do we even know how good this Tampa team is? You've got them below average, Fez. So in your power ratings, let me start with that question. You, Matt, how good's Tampa? A really hard team to figure out. Again, we didn't get to see him week one. They blew out a Bears team decimated with injuries and got blown out on the road by a Minnesota team when Tampa was decimated with a bunch of injuries on defense. We haven't really got to see him this team play yet. We, the one thing we do know is famous Jameis is inconsistent as a quarterback. He comes off a good game and then he throws three interceptions. It's been like that his entire career since he came out of Florida State. This is one of the harder teams for me to handicap. I do know this. The Giants are getting healthier. The Giants are getting better. Tampa Bay's as banged up as they've ever been. I could only take the underdog. I think this is a referendum on McAdoo. If they want to save him, this is a, you know, uh, all hands, you know, balls to the wall. I'm not sure from what I hear. And again, I don't have inside the Giants locker room, but reading the stringers and all that. I think there's a lot of dissension. And then you you start looking, last question of the whole pod, Fez, you start hearing about, you know, the the, the dog urinating and and the uh, the owner is starting to want to get involved. I mean, that has to be a distraction, right? Yeah, well, Beckham keeps getting 15-yard penalties consistently. And then after he's saying, like, what's going to happen is going to happen. Did you hear that interview? It's like, hmm. The one positive that Imagine I Imagine if say, he said that to Belichick. Yeah, I really like the fact they lost last week on a 61-yard miracle field goal. So it's a situation where you can say, you know what? We really didn't get outplayed. It was almost like an act of God beat us for that kid to make that kick. But it doesn't change the, the, the Beckham's causing. Here's the question, and maybe, you know, we'll talk about this next week maybe. You know, I know it's a movie, but you watch Major League, right? Great movie. You saw that one, right, Fez? Yeah, great movie. I still love the line where he goes, you know what we're going to have to do? Win the whole effing thing. <laughs> with the picture of the girl with the Velcro, they keep pulling pieces off her dress. But uh, I actually saw that in the theater about a year ago. They replayed it here and had a revival. Is I would so much rather have a 9-7 and seven team that I can believe in, that, that I just feel an affinity. Now, listen, I'm a mid-40s white guy, so I'm going to have an affinity with certain players and teams, maybe that the millennials are going to see something different, right? There's a lot of guys that I'm not a big fan of in, in sports that the millennials love, right? And let's respect every generation has their perspective. But if you're a, a billionaire owner and you're going to be losing anyway, why put up with bad? Why? It's one thing. Do you win? Do you sell your soul? Maybe that's extreme. Do you accept the team you don't love in order to win? If you're the owner, but if you're losing anyway, why not get players in that you like? Well, what's this losing anyways? We were 11 and five last year. I mean, the Giants were a way above average team. They're not giving up on their season. I still think that those players, now that they're getting healthy, they still think they can make the playoffs, RJ. <sighs> what, what, what odds would you have to take 
Matt, and I'll ask you, Fez, and we really will be done to take the Giants to make the playoffs. Would you take 10 to 1? 10. I was going to say it would have to at least be 8. So if you gave me 10, I certainly would consider it. But it would have to be at least 8. Yeah, 10 to 1 looks good to me. All right. Well, 10 to 1, maybe they still care. I, 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 maybe I'd, if we go 9 to 1, I might book it. All right. We'll (laughs) let you know next week. Guys, follow me on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Remember, college dream preview. Thanks for the support. We love it. Let us know on Twitter. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Podcast One Sports presents Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Every Tuesday, you can hear Jack Harbaugh. We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Jim Harbaugh. What the hell's going on around here? And JT Rogan share their stories from on and off the field. Past guests include John Harbaugh, ESPN's Adam Schefter, and Pardon My Takes, PFT, and Big Cat. So don't miss an episode of Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Every Tuesday, exclusive exclusively on podcast1.com and the new podcast 1 app just a sample of what's coming to podcast 1 sports Oh, brother. The reason it's called the NFL, not for long. It's sports-related with Jordan and Luke Rogers. The Chargers football is not going to work in Los Angeles. I got hit by a car on my scooter eight days before our first game of my senior year. I was out there playing. No rib strain's going to keep me out. JoJo, what is the last book that Jordan read? I think he just likes to read Twitter articles. Download new episodes of Sports Related every Friday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. 